Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? Hello, and welcome back to Old Soul Archaeology. Today, we are on an Old Soul Sojourn with Serena Baptista. Serena Baptista is an award-winning author, international speaker, spiritual teacher, and psychic medium. Her latest book, My View from Heaven, is a 2019 COVR Visionary Awards bronze recipient in the iconic book category. She was a featured speaker for the Life, Death, and Beyond International Conference in Crete, Greece, and is the resident psychic for iHeartMedia's Big 97.9 FM in Northern Colorado. She teaches classes and is a visiting medium at Lilydale, New York during their summer program and has created mediumship training programs, including mentoring, long distance training, workshops, and webinars. Serena discovered her gifts through her own tragedy, the passing of her seven-year-old son in March, 2007. She learned that her son did not really die. He was still very close and he led her to her incredible mediumship gifts. It is Serena's mission to help you find purpose and connection to your highest divine self create the bridge for conversation with loved ones who have passed, and mentor psychics and mediums to be master messengers. Welcome to Old Soul Sojourn with Old Soul Archaeology. Thank you so very much. It is so wonderful to be here. I'm excited to share my story. Of course, it's all about JT, <laughs> my son. <laughs> uh, he is just the inspiration uh, around everything. I wouldn't be here at all without him, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that we're we're gonna we're gonna get to JT, I promise. But I think and that'll leave people hanging a little bit. We'll leave them listening because <laughs> I, I do think it's really interesting that you mentioned that you didn't really discover that you had these gifts until he passed. And he was a mere seven years old. And this was thirteen, almost fourteen years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So since he passed, it's my understanding that he started to visit you and let you know that you had these gifts. But before that, were you just an average Serena? (laughs) Yes, yes, I was. In fact, I was actually a software engineer uh, way back when, before, uh, before I had children. And so I had quite the logical mind. So it was quite a transition to think about things in a very different way once JT left. You know, when something like that happens, your whole world just crumbles it and you have to think of things in a very different way everything goes away all of your belief systems go away everything is leveled and so it was in that time that I had to rebuild myself and what was interesting about that was that you know JT actually didn't come to me first he went to all of my friends (laughs) I had very intuitive friends and I was, uh, you know, I I kind of knew that there there was probably something after this. It was probably an afterlife, but I hadn't put too much attention to it. I knew we had past lives and things like that, had done some work with Brian Weiss, but I didn't think of things in terms of what really does happen when we when we die. And so uh, after JT left and, you know, he just caught the flu. It was just the Mm -hmm. flu. And, you know, what 
who dies from the flu? Well, I can't even say that now, right? I mean, with everything going yeah. on, there's a lot of understanding about, uh, about how these viruses uh, can be deadly. But at the time, you're going, wow, just the flu. Everybody survives the flu. And so it was, uh, it it was quite uh, an interesting time, let's say, moving into that space of, wow, I just lost a child. Now what? Now what do I do? Because before that, yes, I was a, uh, I homeschooled my kids. I was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I didn't really have a business at the time. And uh, again, uh, coming from an engineering background. So it was, it was definitely a change for me for sure. So then he had to get through to you through your friends since you weren't really open. Were, were you raised in a, in an agnostic environment or a religious environment or tell me a little bit about what it was. I mean, you, you said you had started to explore some of it like past lives yes. and, and life after death with Brian Weiss and, is it Weiss or Weiss? <laughs> Weiss, yes. <laughs> um, so, what was what was it like growing up for you and in, in that transition? It, even though still, when JT passed, you you were probably still more of a brick wall than a glass window. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes, and I would say you know I did some exploration in my early thirties. I, I tried to learn to meditate. Uh, Richard Bach was a huge influence for me. Uh, the, the the concepts that he created in his in his novels and his books, things like that. So I was on the right track, you know, and definitely had seen past lives of my own, had you know experienced mm. the healing through that, but nothing really prepared me for this. <laughs> uh, I grew up Catholic. And uh, I left. I left the church shortly after I went to college, and I, I would say left the church. I always have had a spirituality. I've always had a relationship with the energy I call God, uh, but it was very different. I found that my my views never fit into the organized religion, and and that was okay. And and I think organized religion is wonderful for some people, and it's it's great and it fulfills what they need. For me, it didn't do that, and so I did have some gaps, let's say, about what happened. I believed in the afterlife. Um, I did have experiences when my brother, my stepbrother passed when I was 17. He came to me in dreams. He came to me uh, when he was transitioning. And I didn't know any of these words at the time. (laughs) So uh, I did get a glimpse into that world. uh, But I really didn't understand it at all. It was definitely not part of my reality. So when JT left and then he was getting the getting me these messages from other people and they would all say he has big plans for you and that would drive me nuts because I knew <laughs> from the beginning that there was something about this because my daughter had the flu too and she was actually throwing up she was uh, she had a higher fever she was really sicker than than JT was but she recovered. She's just fine. So I knew there was purpose to it. I knew that there was something in it. I just didn't know what it was. And again, uh, just allowing 
allowing myself to process what I needed to process because first and foremost, I was a grieving mom and I needed to do the process. And I did, but I did it my own way and which kind of allowed me to be a little bit more open to to these messages and to what was the real purpose behind this. And there were many, many reasons why JT left, uh, but one of the huge ones was so I could find who I was and who I said I wanted to be in this lifetime, which is a psychic medium and definitely training other people. So I have to ask the tough question that comes after that. Knowing that that's one of the reasons why he left in our in the way we're socialized, one would think that there would be a lot of guilt. Did you feel guilt that that was one of the reasons why he passed as as a mother? I did not. I felt guilt about a lot of other things, <laughs> <laughs> about the, the physical things, you know, about yelling at him when he didn't do his schoolwork, you know, and, and uh, things like that. But no, I did not have guilt about him leaving uh, because I needed to find who I was. And the reason for that is about four months in, I had a life between lives regression. And it's based on uh, the Dr. Michael Newton uh, philosophies and, and his experiences. And in that life between life regression, the big question was, because everybody kept saying you agreed to this. Everybody kept saying to me uh, that that you and JT agreed that this was going to happen. So my big question in the Life Between Lives regression was, did we agree to this? And what JT did, because he was, as soon as I went into that, that in-between state, he was right there, came forward, and, uh, and I said, okay, did we agree to this? And he took me to this place, <laughs> energy place. And it was like we were on the outside of a boardroom looking in and inside the boardroom were all of us, all of my husband, my, my daughter, my other son, JT and me, we were sitting around a table and I heard myself say, yes, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. Knowing that that's what we had agreed to, knowing that what I was talking about was him leaving. And at that moment, it was it was actually more shock for me because, I mean, who does that? Who agrees to have their kid die, right? But I would learn more down the road about why, why that is and why we do that. So that was a pivotal moment. It was only four months into my grief. So it was kind of confusing for me, but at the same time, it gave me kind of gave me an answer and purpose. Yeah, I can understand that. I had to ask the tough question because I think it's really important, your explanation of that, especially as we explore yes. some of these topics. And and again, because of the way we're socialized, we're socialized to see grief in, in a, one way and one way only. You know, if you, I was watching a TV program the other day, it was Hell on Wheels. It's about the fictional account of building the railroads across the United States. Oh, wow. And one woman went to the wake or the funeral of her husband, and she wasn't really accepted by the her husband's family. He'd been killed by Indians. She had fought them off and survived. And she was dressed in a, in a red dress. And it was a beautiful dress. Wow. But of course, because she wasn't That's in black, right. she wasn't mourning. And here she was, this beautiful woman, a dedicated wife 
who fought for her own life and her husband's, but of course he, he didn't survive. So, um, we are so socialized to see things through a certain lens. And so I really appreciate your, your openness and frankness about that, because I know I don't have a whole huge understanding of soul contracts, but I can imagine that you and JT in this boardroom were more equals than mother and son in the moment. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And we, we come here and we have these agreements to help each other out and to, to play the roles that we do. And, and unfortunately right. some of us, some of us forget that. And so, um, the lessons most come through other ways. <laughs> yes. Yes. Most right. of us. So, wow. Thank you for that. So he's, he begins to approach your friends and your friends start saying what to you. And, and then what was the pivotal moment when you said, okay, I'm open. Let's, let's have a direct conversation. Well, that was a ways down the road. I'll tell you the first real instance where I knew that he was working really hard at getting me messages. It was about, oh, let me see, about, well, actually, it couldn't have been that long after he passed because I remember people were still around. Uh, so it may be a week maybe a week, maybe two weeks after he passed. And I was sitting at my desk and on my desk, I had my computer. I had the list in front of me of names and numbers of people who needed to be contacted about his passing. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I did not have to do that. I had so much support and other people doing that. But one of what I said to myself was somebody has my answer. Somebody knows why he left. I know somebody knows that. And, and I took my finger and I ran down the list uh, on the on the printout and I stopped on a name and I said, she knows. And I had no idea why I knew all of this. I I, I was just going on on whatever was coming into my head at the time. I had no idea that it was actually JT giving me those messages at the time anyway. So I stopped on this name. It was the mother of a friend of mine who lived in California. I met her once, twice maybe. So it's not like she was a very, she was a super close friend of the family. Uh, but I, I picked up the phone and I called her and her husband answered the phone. And I said, this is Serena. I need to talk to Nancy. And so uh, he said, hold on. Nancy got on the phone and I said, why? That was all I said. <laughs> and she said, well, get a paper and pen. JT visited me last night and I have some messages for you. And that was the beginning. That was huge. So I got the paper and the pen. And as I'm writing, one of the messages that he says is that, that he, he loves, you know, that he loved me very much. As, as I'm writing this, I look down and there's this hole in my desk where you can uh, put the uh, uh, put the CPU unit, the old computer, you know, the CPU unit. I look down and there is a paper that I'd never seen before that said, I love you in his handwriting. I actually said, I love you, mom, in his handwriting. I'd never seen this paper before. It just appeared there. And so that's... <laughs> That was my life, you know, 
So that was, I was ecstatic. I could, I, I told her, I said, you aren't going to believe what I found here. And I explained it to her and she said, that's him. Now, Nancy, my friend's mother is not a psychic. She's not a medium. Hmm. So this is, she's intuitive, but she was not, you know, she wasn't trained in any of this. So for her to get these messages and for other people who also weren't trained, but were open uh, to get the messages, this was huge. And that's the kind of thing that would happen to me that people would say, JT said, JT came to me and said this, JT came to me and said that. And, uh, and all the while I'm thinking, why isn't he coming to me? What's, you know, why, what the heck? I want to talk to him. And it wasn't until six months in when I was talking to a medium in California and she, she was recommended to me by a friend and she had no idea who I was. And she is the one who actually said, did you know you're a medium? Mm-hmm you're the bridge between this world and the next. And so it wasn't really until that moment that it became real. Oh my God, that's what this is about. It's about the the help that JT is going to give me in getting other people connected. And in the process, then I can, I can get connected with JT. So how did your family take all of this? I mean, (laughs) that's got to be the next logical question, right? right? So (laughs) you're coming to terms with it. You seem to have had some openness. And of course, I can see that grieving mother's heart, not only having opened a portal for you, but also just wanting so, so badly to hear from your son, especially when everyone else was seeming to hear from him. What was the reaction like from husband, kids and surrounding family members? Well, you know, the kids were too young. They were five and three. Mm. And, uh, but my husband thought I was nuts. He did. <laughs> he thought, he, he thought, well, and he is such a, such a beautiful soul. He's so supportive and it, he's like, whatever you need, honey, just go and do your thing. And I'm sure he was thinking to himself, wow, I might have to lock her up. <laughs> so, <laughs> but when I started, then I started the training because that was the one thing that the medium said on the phone. I said, well, what happens? You're a medium. Do you just wake up and suddenly you can hear dead people? And she said, no, training, training, training. So I said, I, okay, I'm, I immediately got into training. And when I got connection, it, just, it happened very quickly. Within a month, kids from the other side were coming to me to get messages to their parents. Mm-hmm. In that process, I connected with my husband's mom. Now, my husband's mom passed when he was, I think, 14. So I had no idea anything about her. And it was because of those messages that I gave to him from his mom that he said, okay, this is legit. <laughs> she could do this yeah Yeah. so then then he understood I wasn't he didn't have to yeah he didn't have to call the well we don't have sanitariums anymore do we but you know what I mean (laughs) I do (laughs) right so and friends wow you know some friends couldn't handle it uh some uh they say that grief changes your address book uh because some people can't handle you being in grief and they can't handle especially when it's a kid, they just don't know what to do. So a lot of friends had to go away for that. Um, Other friends had to go away because they they thought I was crazy or they thought that I was um, not doing things the way that I needed to, uh, maybe more religious, you know. 
mm-hmm. on the religious side. But then I had some beautiful friends who really did stick with me and are still are still with me, you know, through through that whole process. And uh, and I always say when when somebody had to leave, I I, I said, okay, I'm I'm sending you off with ease and grace, not in, not to them, but in my mind, knowing that another another energy or another soul will come in and take that place, you know, so that I won't feel so alone. Because you do feel so alone when you're in grief. And so alone when you're going through this process of trying to learn how to connect with the other side, not really understanding what you're doing and all of that, it can, it can feel lonely. So I did have a lot of support though. That's good. Good. And and what a blessing your husband yes. is. Yes, I have one absolutely. of those too, who's, who's been on, wonderful. on my journey with me. That's, it's funny. It was his idea to have a a shaman marry us and we didn't actually have a shaman marry us he was you know he he wanted to do a viking wedding which we did we did a beautiful viking wedding reception and we um it wasn't quite the shaman ceremony that we envisioned but it was the other and so in a sense my husband who's a huge fan of the doors was always fascinated by by their interest in in spiritual matters and otherworldly things and right um so but i kind of once i had shaken off the chains of my religious upbringing i kind of went full force into it and i think he i left (laughs) i left his head spinning a couple of times and yet he's still here (laughs) (laughs) he's still here supporting me yeah absolutely (laughs) i know know, definitely yeah so we need that support too we do we need that yeah well, it is a journey that we decide to take alone, but I think that the thing is, we were alone before with company. So when we decide to follow our own path, we just find that we have the company we really needed all along. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Not still not easy. I, I still struggle, no. but <laughs> right. Yes, but we know that we're supported, right? Yeah, in absolutely. in other ways too, you know, in 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 the spiritual way as well. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I I just absolutely love that you said was practice, practice, practice. And this beautiful medium who told you get training. We are all born with gifts. The artist, the yes. musician, the creative, the the spiritual, everything. But the the key really is for our growth on this planet is to practice is to open ourselves to the learning i don't think it's a common misconception right that the the masterpiece artist was always that right yes but there is always learning and honing and how do you know how to do that unless somebody teaches you how to how to look at different you know if you're talking about artists how to look at different shadowing and things like that as far as energy oh my gosh it was invaluable to teach me about what energy was and and how to access it definitely then the guides my guides who are amazing energies a year into this mentorship program they said okay you're done with that now we're going to take over your training <laughs> and so i had to leave the mentorship my my beautiful family that i that i created you know the the safety net and really work on connection and making sure i was clear because if i wasn't clear then Um, then the training wouldn't have worked because it was all about connecting with them, learning from them, the the high guides, 
and and understanding you know what they wanted me to uh, to do for exercises it was it was intense but i'll tell you if i didn't have that uh i i don't know if i would have excelled as quickly as as i did because you i had to be clear I had to be connected and I had to put all of those, all of the tools that I had learned in that year in that mentorship program to work for me in order to learn more and, and get to get to where I needed to go so that I could be uh, an exceptional medium. It was like graduate school. You had to leave the one to go to the other, which is important too. Absolutely. So now you work with, JT, probably every day you have your guides as well. What is a typical day in the life for Serena Baptista like? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's pretty normal as far as, you know, I still homeschool my son. I have, you know, he's 17. I still homeschool him. Uh, I still have, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, family things that I need to do. But then I see clients. I have a ton of clients and now they're mostly on Zoom, which is really wonderful because it opened up an entirely new market for me uh, to to really embrace. You know, we, we were able to do this before. I did phone sessions from the get-go, but the whole video conferencing thing was really something that was new to me. And so I'm, I'm grateful that we were able to shift over to that. Uh, in fact, right before you, I had a client and she was in Moscow and we were able to do the Zoom. You know, it, it was nighttime there, uh, daytime here. And what fun is that? So I do see clients on Zoom. I do a lot of training uh, with with other people now They and for a myriad of things, you know, life purpose, uh, Reiki, love, love to do Holy Fire Reiki training, psychic mediumship training, all of that, because that's what, you know, JT really, he does not let... What, what is it? The moss grow on the, <laughs> on the stone at all. He's constantly changing things up for me, which he knows that I need. Otherwise I'll get bored. I'm one that needs to, I needs to have activity. I need understand to that. Different things. And so he comes up with these different projects for sure. And uh, so in one of the projects we're going to talk about in a little bit, which is his, uh, his Oracle card deck that we were able to do uh, and, and put out in September. Yes, but I do a lot of clients, a lot of clients and a lot of teaching. Well, having taken a couple of classes from you, I can tell you're a master at the Zoom conference now. You might not <laughs> think so, but from this end, you do fabulous. So thank you. <laughs> when I was fortunate enough to be introduced to you by our mutual friend, Danielle Susie Mills, who was recently yes. on the podcast as well. And I believe that she had turned me on originally to you because of your Oracle cards, the channeling JT Oracle cards. And so I joined your Kickstarter and I got my my deck and I don't keep them in the box. I find that I need my cards a little more accessible. <laughs> so, but I did find the box. So this nice. is channeling JT Oracle cards. And I, Oracle cards are so, so popular. Why did why Oracle cards? Because there there um, there are so many decks out there. I mean, I created one of my own, which yes. is pretty distinct. It doesn't have the little guidebook that goes along with it um, for for a varying reason. But why why an Oracle deck? What is it about uh, Oracle decks that 
JT needed to uh, use to express himself and allow you to express yourself? That's a great question because uh, JT is all about helping people to answer questions for themselves, really getting in touch with who they are and that they have the answers within them. And sometimes they just need a little bit of help to discover those answers. Cards are fabulous for that. You can call them oracle cards, you can call them wisdom cards, whatever you want to call them. But what he says is that when people use his deck, he is there with them helping them choose what cards to pick because it is all about um, our energy and the questions that we ask and and uh, and what we what we need to know even if it's like let's say you ask a question you flip a card and you go well what the heck does that have to do with it you needed to understand you needed that card there was something about that that you needed to that you needed to know and so that's why he wanted to do the Oracle card deck. Now we had started that deck a couple of years ago, probably maybe two and a half, three years ago, but in never had the time to dedicate to it. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, guess what? You know, March, April, I had some time on my hands. I still was seeing clients because again, we were able to do Zoom and phone and all of that. But I, uh, I decided that I needed a project. And so he says, well, how about those cards, mom? Let's get that done. And so I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he channeled all of the information that's in the guidebook. He gave all of the definitions of each of the cards he he created the title for each of the cards and how they were laid out uh and there it's split into four different sections and uh and it's just amazing the the intricacy of it how he how he laid these out i just found fascinating again it's not something that i knew anything about really i mean i've used cards but it's not like i i was an expert in laying oracle cards out or creating these decks but he really helped me so much and uh, and of course with the support of other others who knew uh more about doing this kind of project because you know with the kickstarter things like that it was very different i was definitely out of my comfort zone but i'll tell you the response to the cards has been amazing people feel jt they know he's there he talks to them when they're pulling their cards and usually what i suggest for people to start off with if you're going to start off with an oracle deck is to just pull a card a day and see where does my energy need to be focused and just ask that question if you have no other question you can say where do i need to put my energy today and um, and there's a whole thing in there about how to prepare yourself for for pulling cards and things like that because you do want to be in a good space when you're doing it uh, so that you get the proper answer so that you get the the frequency of the answer that you need definitely yeah, absolutely. I find a lot of comfort in my runes and my oracle cards. And I, yes, I use them to journal because I really believe that, you know, JT being there with me when I use these cards and along with the others, I'm really getting in touch with my own inner wisdom. Right. And I, and to JT's point, which maybe he's whispering this in my ear right now, is that <laughs> our inner wisdom is the same thing as the universal consciousness that Jung was Absolutely. so um, curious about. And I mean, his explorations into the collective unconscious have unfortunately not 
carried as far as they could have in our modern world. You know, we have a select set of um, Jungian analysts and we have uh, mystics that embrace his his philosophies, but unfortunately, I don't think he's given near the credit. I think he should be a household name like Freud, like <laughs> Einstein. And I still ask people, you've heard of Carl Jung. It sounds, oh my God. He, yeah. I'm a huge fan, if you couldn't tell, but, and, and I really do think that that's the key to connecting yes. with our, our spirit guides. You know, we do have these these guides, whether it's our our son who's passed on to another world, or um, you know, our guardian angel or our spirit animal, there's so so many energies around us that really Absolutely. want our greatest and highest good. Not yes. to say that there are not energies that that aren't benevolent, which I think it's really important to to admit and deal with. Absolutely, but, yes. So I totally agree with that. And I believe that, you know, JT's purpose is so that we can find it within us. Because like you said, Al, we all have that peace in us. We all have, uh, we're all part of the collective. We're all part of each other's energy. And so it's super, it's really important to not only acknowledge that, but understand that we have more to say about our environment than uh, than what we might think, than what our three D world uh, would would say about that. We can uh, change what we're doing. We can change our our life purpose or move into our life purpose, even if the world around us doesn't doesn't. We can't see that in that right now, uh, and that's the thing that JT is so adamant about is making sure our intentions and our thoughts are where they need to be because that all does feed into the collective consciousness and it also also feeds into our own reality what we think becomes our reality so because of that it is really important to be clear on on what we really want and and like you said having those wonderful uh those wonderful uh philosophers and and creators uh, like Jung, it, it it really is amazing to to tap into their into their wisdom and into their understanding of how they saw the world and um, and again connecting with you know JT and the guides we all have them we all have these amazing energies that are here to support us one hundred percent absolutely absolutely so let's go back to JT for a minute and his passing in 2007 he passed from the flu yes does that give you special insight or does he have insight for you about what we're going through this year <laughs> yeah yes it does you know in the beginning uh well well there's there's a lot to that <laughs> i am a firm believer that we choose not necessarily the exact way that we're going to pass but the area around what we're going to pass. So whoever is checking out right now with what's going on, and this is hard for people to hear, okay, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to say it. They chose to check out, period. That's what JT shares with me. JT chose to check out from the flu. He says that it was an, a pretty easy way to go, uh, even though looking at him it felt uncomfortable but he says no look at other ways that i could have left <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, no, this was, yeah, I wanted it to be easy on you and this was easy on you. And so what we're going through now, not to minimize the grief that uh, people are going through or the fears that people might be in if they do, if they do get, uh, get this virus or any other virus and have the complications, not to negate that, but just to say that, uh, that we have said whether we're going to check out with that or not. Meaning we have said uh, before we came in the agreement that we, uh, that we wanna leave at this time. We want to leave at, at, at this juncture and, uh, and sure, why not go out this way since there's a whole bunch of people doing it also. And again, I know that's a hard concept for people, but I truly believe, and JT tells me as well as my other high guides, that we do choose our passings. You know, we have, uh, we don't have to leave on what they call the first exit. We usually have at least three exits that we can choose from. And so somebody might say, oh, I got this thing, uh, but I actually want to stick around. So guess what? Mm -hmm. They're going to stick around and they're going to wait for the next, the next exit. It really is not random. It's not haphazard. It's, it's very, it's a very, uh, now, I want to say controlled system because it makes it sound like we don't have free will. We do have free will. Uh, but at the same time, we have said before we even came in here that we wanted to experience some things. And all of us who are alive right now, believe it or not, it said we wanted to experience 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't had the worst year of my life, so I'm, I'm pretty okay with it. I mean, definitely things are in chaos, but... I yes. think our, our attitude and our outlook has a lot to do with it in spite of whatever it is. I mean, I can, I can read a book by Vic, Victor Frankl, survival, survivor of the Holocaust, an amazing, another amazing genius of a yes. man and, and hope that I would have that same attitude were the world to get worse than it is even now. So right. you, you touched on something that really kind of hit me a little bit hard because I think I've, I've had one of those exits and I didn't even ever put it into, um, I had never thought about it that way. I guess you could say I was almost strangled to death some wow. 22 years ago. And I could, I, I didn't walk towards the light yet, but I had this semi out of body experience. I could see that, you know, my body was going to be lying there. My then husband wow. coming home and not knowing if my daughter was still going to be in her crib. And by now she was crying. She was screaming because of the energies that were surrounding this attack on my life. Wow. And to think that that could have been an exit, but wasn't. <laughs> right. And right. I've thought about that moment in a lot of ways, but never quite that way. <laughs> kind of teared up a little bit there. Well, and that just says that, that you chose that you weren't done yet, you know, and that you had more that you wanted to do. And we have that ability and it might not be on a conscious level, honestly, you know, uh, but it certainly is on a spiritual level, you yeah. know, our higher selves, that part of us that is still in spirit will, um, you, you know, will help us with that. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned, how it, some of these things are so hard for people to hear. Well, I think they're hard for people to hear because of the way we're socialized. Yes. 
we're conditioned that death is bad. You know, we're mm -hmm. conditioned that this is scary, that we're supposed to be afraid. And I honestly am not afraid because I know uh, unequivocally <laughs> that if I get this and I'm supposed to die from it, I'm going to, whether or not whatever I do, it doesn't matter if, if that's the way I said I wanted to check out, I am not going to be able to stop that from happening. Now, I'm not saying that to put fear into people because that's the opposite. Right. What I want to say is you don't have to focus on that. You don't have to focus on that energy. Definitely be diligent. Do what you feel you need to do. But at the same time, don't stop living. That's what JT tells me. He says, live your life. Do not stop living because of this. That's the point of this is to not stop. We're supposed to get more in depth into who we are. We're supposed to uh, understand who we are in relation to others and also that those outside of us may not have the answers or the information that is right for us. It might be totally right for them, but it may not be right for us. And it's okay to stand in that and say, you know what, that information is great for you, but I don't think it's right for me. And that's really hard because, again, what we're having, <laughs> discernment, <laughs> yes, what we're having, exactly what we're having right now is is this battle uh, between, gosh, a whole bunch of different different uh, thought processes and, and philosophies and things like that. When, you know, the, the guides, the higher frequencies are just saying, you know, you need to make your own decisions here and not have other people make them for you. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you said that has really been on my mind. Uh, probably the biggest thing on my mind this year is watching people um, fight and judge and yes, and Terrible. why right. we why we have to agree on anything to love each other. And I think you know, we're, we're taught a lot of times in religious circles to love each other in spite of our differences. And I think we should love each other because of our differences. It's, it's right. what makes the world so beautiful. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. We're supposed to live and my way doesn't have to be right for anyone else's and anybody that wants to come exactly. along with me for a few steps, a spell or, you know, a while. Exactly. And what is what was it you said as they depart ease and grace? Yes, ease and grace, right? If they have to if they if they can't uh, uh, respect your the way that you are living, then we do need to let go of them with ease and grace until they want to come back in. You know that it doesn't mean that it's forever. It doesn't mean you kicking them to the, to the curb and and uh, I'm, I'm writing you off because you don't agree with me or you don't think the way that I do. Because where would the world be if we all thought the same? It would be pretty boring. Very, very boring. Absolutely. <laughs> so letting them go, letting them go and understanding that I can still, even though I have to let that person go, I can still have... I have integrity within myself because I am living the way that I need to live. Right. And just because I, they don't agree with me and maybe I don't agree with them doesn't mean that I'm wrong or they're not right or, or any of the above. If that's their path, I honor it. Yes, exactly. And what JT is telling me right now is he says, you know, that you don't have, you know, don't look at the science of this, look at the heart of this is mm -hmm. what he says. 
because the heart of it, it, you know, we really are more spirit than body. And so there's so much that we can learn from this experience about ourselves and about each other if we allow ourselves to do that. It's not all about what we see in front of us as the science of what we're being presented. In fact, it has nothing to do with that at all. Yeah. And a lot of times science is sheer misinformation that drives somebody's pocketbook. <laughs> right. It, it can be. And for it's so funny because you don't think of science as being subjective, but it can be based upon what, and, and I'm not saying that the, they purposely do this, but based upon the the piece of whatever it was that they were looking at might show one thing, but we have learned over time that that changes. Uh, scientists are always seeing, oh, that's not, that's not true anymore. It's more this now, you know, or that we, we thought this before, but now we have evolved to this. So what does that say about science? It says that it is not an absolute. It's not and, static. Right. Is right. It is not static. It is not an absolute. It is not, uh, yeah, it isn't uh, as clear cut as we think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Serena, we have quickly run out of time. So I do want to let people know where they can find you. Um, Serena calls herself the bridge to healing, leading you to a guided life. And you can visit her at serenabaptista.com, facebook.com forward slash bridge to heal, instagram.com, Serena Baptista and Serena Baptista on YouTube. I'm going to spell that for anyone not uh, at the at their computer to look at whatever text I've got in my, on my post. It's S-A-R-I-N-A-B-A-P-T-I-S-T-A. Serena Baptista. Did I get all that right? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you to JT for being my guests on Old Soul Sojourn. It's been a lovely sojourn, a, a beautiful talk. I want to encourage everybody to check out the Channeling JT Oracle cards. Those are also available on serenabaptista.com. They're absolutely beautiful. Yes. And you, if you're really open, you might not even need the guidebook because if you just tap into your own inner wisdom and your higher guides, there is plenty of wisdom just in the images. Thank you, Absolutely. Serena. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and JT. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Once again, this has been Old Soul Sojourn with Serena Baptista. My name is Michelle Janae with Old Soul Archaeology. And until next time, dig deep. <laughs>